Blog Talk Radio. Yvonne Mason with my co-host Ian Bush and that song is our theme song it's called Off the Chain by a young man by the name of Jamie Lee Thurston and if you have not heard him go to YouTube pull him up and order his music I have interviewed him several times on this show and will probably bring him back when we heard this song it was a no-brainer. We had to bring it on and use it here on the show because this show is definitely always off the chain. As you all know, it's never un- it's never scripted. It's always unscripted. And we never know how a conversation is going to start, how it's going to go in the middle, or how, how it even might end. Tonight, a young woman who I've had the pleasure and honor of calling friend for several years now is has joined us and while I was away from this show she went on a writing spree and just stepped out of her comfort zone stepped into another comfort zone and she's just gone absolutely insane with all of her books her name is Joanne Fisher 
She is a Canadian, Italian-American, and she is renowned for her steamy romances. Uh, ladies, you will need a fan and a cold drink. <laughs> she also writes historical fictions and murder mysteries. See, she got into, I knew she, I knew she wrote historical fictions, but then she got into murder mysteries. And there was one particular murder mystery we're going to talk about. And when you see the cover of that book, yes, you will need an air conditioner and an iceberg. She writes Christmas novellas, giving them an Italian flair. Go figure. She has also penned two nonfiction travel guides titled Traveling Baby Boomers. Now, I am part of that generation. I am a baby boomer. I am proud of it. And I have traveled extensively, as I know she has. And you also do not want to miss these two books. And, yes, we will talk about them. She also has a corresponding website that goes along with those two books. So we will talk about that. She loves writing short stories and has collected 13 in the Baker's Dozen Anthology. She is the president of the Space Coast Writers Guild. She lives in Central Florida with her husband, Dan, and two dachshunds, Wally and Madison, who I can promise you are as spoiled as spoiled can be. Joanne, welcome to the show. Thank you, my friend, for coming in and being here and having fun with us for the next few minutes. Well, thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure to be here. And you you know we never know how this show's going to go, do we, Ian? Yeah. I mean, I didn't think I was going to laugh after you said the fan comment. So, yeah, we're already <laughs> off to a great start tonight. <laughs> well, it, it's true. I wasn't, I wasn't ready to hear you say that, Yvonne. I think that's what happened was I just never thought Yvonne would say, you're going to need a fan. Like, I just, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared tonight. <laughs> how long you know me, Ian? You know that I insert... Uh, things into the bio. I know. I know. I just uh, wasn't ready, Yvonne. I wasn't ready. I I wasn't sitting down for it. It It's just a punch to the gut, Yvonne. Come on. And you loved every minute of it, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why I keep coming back. But tonight's all about Joanne, right? So we'll we'll, we'll go back to her. That's the beauty of your show. I'm letting uh, Joanne collect herself since she's got to pick herself up off the floor and put herself back in her <laughs> in her easy chair because of the intro. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of your show. That is that is true. It is definitely off the chain and unique and eclectic as we all are. That's right. So, okay, let's catch up. What in mm-hmm. the world? Just because I haven't been on the show, I we have stayed in touch and we have we have kept up each, with each other. But somewhere yeah. along the way, I did not see all the new books that you put out. So mm-hmm. let's. What made you get out of your comfort zone? I mean, most, unlike me, who will write anything except erotica and romance because I don't believe in either one. What <laughs> made you? <laughs> what made you? Step out of your comfort zone and go into murder mysteries. That that's just well, wonderful. Well, funny, funny thing. Um, so we were we were at church um, and we um, heard our our priest talk about this um, this story about that he that he heard that he that he heard about a fellow uh, fellow priest. I guess you can call it. I don't know. Anyway. So um, about this woman who was harassing him and and you know it was kind of like the the you know, what's going on in the Catholic Church today, um, kind of the other way around, kind of opposite. So it was the, the parishioner that was harassing the priest. And so I was, you know, I got intrigued by the story, let's put it that way. So um, I decided to turn it into a murder mystery, kind of talked with my husband. I'm like, you know, and then I went to, I went to some, I did some, um, I went to a conference and then kind of like got a little bit of 411 on how to create a good murder mystery, et cetera, et cetera. So the devil of St. Gabriel was born. And um, so it's about a uh, drop-dead gorgeous blonde who falls for and becomes obsessed with a priest from South Africa. So, um, yeah, that, that I've got to say, it just blew up. I've been selling it like crazy. When I go to the events, any events, whether it's, you know, you know, in the parks or I just do local events. I don't really go too far for them. I'm, you know, I just, I'm still working full time, so I don't really have time. But 
you know, from what I can see, they they love that that idea and they love the cover, and so it's uh, it's been a really good seller for me. Well, well, the cover is is just, ladies and gentlemen, if after the show, don't go now, but after the show, go to her website called joannesbooks.com, and you will see the cover of this book, and the font of the cover for the title will grab you even before the cover itself grabs you. Whoever did your cover did an absolutely amazing job because it shows it it shows the the blonde as basically an angel, but you see all the the little devilish eyes in red bouncing around all over. Correct. And it just and then you see the cross on the on the wall behind her between the two mm-hmm. windows that represent light. But you know there's a struggle between yes. the two wolves within her. Correct. When you when you were researching, there is a good struggle in there, and she does struggle, mm-hmm. and and yeah, and you'll, and you'll see it comes comes out very clear, very very clear in uh, in the book. So. Now, bef- anyway. before the show, before the show, you and I were talking about the fact that we have more than just books in com- common. Mm-hmm. My my degree is criminal justice. My my late husband was in law enforcement, and Joanne's husband is in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So when you were working yep. on that book, even though it was based within the Catholic Church and with priests, mm-hmm. did you go to him for insight on the mechanics? of murder and or breaking the law or walking on the edge of the law or certain things that bending the law to help you make that book a better book? Absolutely. Uh, without without the help of my husband, um, who's also retired law enforcement, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to put it together. You know, he just um, he just helped me. You know, he's he's got a lot of he's seen cases like this, not that ends in murder, but harassment cases. He's seen many of them. Um, so he has a good um, a good, uh, good idea of what goes on, like legally, you know, when these things happen and what, what the norm is for these uh, criminals, so-called, how they act and how they behave. So he's got all this, all this background um, experience, which helped me also with writing my second murder mystery, uh, which is the the Melbourne connection? Um, he he helped me with that as well. Of course, with, for this book uh, takes place in Australia and in Florida, both mainly in Florida, but you know it's it kind of starts out in Australia. Hence the two the two Melbournes. You know the Melbourne connection is the two city of Melbournes. One is in Florida and one is in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so in the Australia, I had a friend who's who lives in Melbourne, Florida. And she helped me out with all the details of, you know, how things are done over there. Um, and I did a little, of course, I did some research as well because she really did not have any knowledge of, you know, how police investigations take place and so on and so forth. And, and obviously with the, with the part that was in Florida, my husband helped me out a lot because you know, he was a police officer in Florida as well. So that helped out a lot because, you know, the law from does change from state to state. Right. Right. I'm glad that we uh, brought up your husband a little bit, too, and I'm not mm-hmm. asking this in a, uh, a crude fashion, so please don't don't take it in that, that way. But no. how much romance in your personal life or in your life in general do you believe is in these books? Um, Would you say that you're kind of a romantic person and that's kind oh, of – definitely. You can, you definitely. can see yourself in these books, especially like – and again – I'm trying very, very gingerly <laughs> to ask this question, but I know Italians they they are very into the 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 romance and the chase yeah. and all that. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering how much of your personal life do you believe is kind of in your books? Well, um, in the two murder mysteries, obviously not because it has really nothing doesn't reflect anything of my kind of there is really no love story i mean there is mm-hmm. sort of a love story in the melbourne connection but has nothing to reflect with my lifestyle 
Um, mm -hmm. My lifestyle can be reflected in my first and second book, my first and the sequel, which is With All of Me and then With All of Me Too. That is a good reflection of my lifestyle. Um, and, and it's a good reflection of, of, you know, the relationship between me and my husband. So he is the love of my life. He's my soulmate, you know. And um, I do, you know, kind of write about that sort of in an indirect way um, in the, those two books. Um, but and in I, the other I books, should have prefaced by saying if you felt comfortable in answering. So I appreciate that yeah, you, know, no, you took the, okay. uh, the veiled, you know, where, where that no, is. I have no qualms of, of talking about romance. You know, he's a very, very romantic. That, you know, I, I'll even go as far as saying that in my first marriage, that's what locked in my first marriage was romance. And when I met him, you know, he gave me the romance that I, that I well, desired. So. Now, hold on. So let's pull that thread a little bit. <laughs> the two romance stories you wrote, was that during your first marriage or your second marriage? No, second. Because I, I was inspired by like, kind of like what I was going through during during my you know during that lifetime during. Okay. Um, yeah, it was inspired. That's kind of what inspired I was inspired. It's not exactly is. my story, but inspired by mm -hmm. it. So. I, I was going to say that too. That um, you know, a lot of people when when they're kind of in tough times or rough straits, um, use their art to kind of let them disappear from reality and kind of yes. melt away from their issues. So that's why I was asking that question as well, because if it was during the first one, that would be really interesting, that it was kind of your escape in a way. I mean, is writing still kind of an escape for you? Absolutely it is, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, and for me, writing is is – it's that it's a hobby still because obviously I haven't cracked you know the million dollar book sale yet you know but um, <laughs> but I just I love writing and um, I just um, I love I love also doing the research behind it you know believe it or not, a lot of authors hate doing that but I love it mm -hmm. because I I want my books to be as authentic as possible even if you read the the historical fictions it's the same thing I do a lot of lot of research behind it. Magnolia Blossom mm -hmm. is about a, a very forbidden love uh, that happens during the Civil War. And so I had to go and study the Civil War, <laughs> and I learned it fairly well, um, thanks to also uh, a gentleman named jo um, James Permain, uh, which I mentioned in the book. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's that was Madison. Somebody else is uh, somebody else Madison. is off the chain right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're talking about the, the wieners. There we go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, she's quite a character. Um, so yeah, so he helped me a lot, and he like you know, cause cause we we live in in you know a technolo technological era. So in those days, mm -hmm. you can't possibly imagine what it was like to not have hot water and not have running water in the house and. And so, and so many things, and not having to have a refrigerator or a phone, you know, things like that. Yeah, so but I had to if you think study about it, all too, that. Think about how, think about how, kind of simplistic and good life was too. Like it's, a, it's a fair balance. I mean, yeah, we didn't have hot water, but you know, you had a lot more connections with people, and you know, I think the yeah. internet kind of ruins that for us. We think we're connected, but really, we're just scrolling through Doom Book, and you know. I agree on both levels with the age of technology we have more availability to do research in order to write about things that, that we haven't lived in the age of late 18th, early 19th, even further back, during those centuries, life was simplistic, but yet it was not without its pitfalls. There were wars, there were rumors of wars, there was, when people left home to go to even another county, you may or may not ever hear from that person again, because mm -hmm. once they left, that was it, they were done. It, so it, it is a balance. It, it was a more simplistic lifestyle, but it was also harder in so many ways. When, there were 
women were, number one, most of them weren't respected. And number two, most of them carried an even heavier burden in that not only did they have to take care of the household, but many times they had to take care of the fields too. I know my grandmother lived during the, she was born in, in 1900, and where she lived in Tacoa, Georgia, her father owned the farm. Well, everybody worked the farm. They didn't have plumbing. They got the water from a well. They slaughtered their own meat. They didn't have washing machines. So, and life was simpler, but it was also harder. Mm-hmm. So, while I, I agree. You guys finish. Go ahead. Sorry. I know that while we say, yeah, we, we've lost that personal con- connection, yeah, we have, but the connections that we do have are wider. If if we wouldn't be having these, this conversation with Joanne in Melbourne, me here in Port St. Lucie, and you where you are, if it were not the availability of the Internet, mm-hmm. Joanne would oh, not I'm- have the availability of promoting her work all around the world without this connection. Right. Correct. And I'm really proud for, for my generation too. I, I know uh y'all y'all were uh you know very proud of, of your generation and spoke pretty openly of it and I I want you two to sit down when I say this, but as a child of the nineties, I know, I know, I'm dangerous waters, but I'm actually <laughs> proud. <laughs> I'm actually, but see, um, but see you I'm gotta remember that my generation knows the difference between internet, not internet. Like we still, we we are the the last people that saw the beauty and the potential, and we respected it, revered it, honored it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened, but I got kids with fancier phones than I do. Uh, that's true. And, yeah, and remember, and remember this. I, I I have lived through the Korean. I was born right after World War II, so I've lived through the Korean War. I lived through Vietnam. I've lived through the bombing of New York City more times than I can count. I've lived through the bombing in Oklahoma. I've lived through yeah. Iraq. I've lived through Afghanistan. Um, the Vietnam was the worst because our servicemen and women were so totally, totally maligned that yeah. I was ashamed to call myself an American at that point. Yeah, I heard. I heard what they what they would do to the to the American soldiers who gave their lives, and then they yes. come back and be called baby killers. Yep. 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 And that that I was the kind of thing. I was a child, was the, so I didn't. That was the kindest things they said about them. And I had a lot of, of friends of mine who died over there or who had died since because of Agent Orange and, and or being wounded or and or having malaria or whatever other unknown illnesses they had at that time. That was where we were totally unprepared for. But with with that time period of the civil of I call it the War of Northern Aggression because I'm from the South. But that time period. <laughs> no. What? Yes. Oh yes. When you really Thank study you, the, when you really study that war, and you understand what happened after the war, and you're from the South, yeah, you would call it the War of Northern Aggression too. But that that's. <laughs> So that's true But anyway That was just a a moment in time And for Joanne to feel And this is another thing I wanted to bring For Joanne to feel comfortable enough To write a love story Set in that time period With everything Mm -hmm. that was going on That was that Joanne I I am very very proud of you For doing that That is very admirable Thank you Thank you so much And I, I, to add to that, and I really appreciate um, your your compliments, 
Um, I also, what I tried to do in Magnolia Blossom, I tried to keep it as authentic as possible. And I mean, conversation is very authentic. When she talks mm-hmm. to her slaves and the way her slaves talk back to her, it's very authentic. So, and um, and I do understand that um, some people might be offended by it, but that's just how it was that's how they spoke in those days, you know. And if you'd written and it any other way, it would not have been a historical fiction. It would have just been another story. That is correct. I actually had a really great quote. Oh, go ahead. No, say your say your quote. <laughs> Thank you. I heard a, a great quote about history that uh, if if history seems like safe and and pretty and um, you know, almost almost everything is just hunky dory. You're not mm-hmm. reading history. Exactly. That is correct. Yeah. Because history's not pretty. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It is not pretty at no. all. Nope. <laughs> it isn't. And but. and history is always written by the victors. True. So you have to you have to dig deeper to get to the meat of the of of true history, because mm-hmm. if, if people have a tendency to gloss it over, am I right, Joanne? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. How much of and, that did um, you find in your writing, Joanne? How how much? Sorry. How many different perspectives and stuff did you have to uh, pick apart of the Civil War to figure well, out what the true um, medium was? Honestly, the way the way Magnolia Blossom came to be was I was um, we were watching a um, documentary on the Civil War because my husband and I we we love history we both do and so we like you know in the evening instead of watching you know stupid shows like reality shows which are not reality at all but anyway no. never mind I'm not going to go on that tangent <laughs> so <laughs> um, so we like to watch um, you know. Um, documentaries and we were watching one on the civil war and they were talking about at one point how um the slave women uh would raise the white children would raise the 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 children of these slave owners okay they would raise them like their own meaning they would nurse them and if you if i i didn't had a hard time believing that i was like i can't believe this you know um it was a bit of a shocker to me because if they were so horrible and they were so bad, I'm not talking about the slaves, but I'm talking about the slave owners. If they were so horrible and terrible and so bad, I'm sure there was a lot of them that were. But most of them, why would they let their, their slave women nurse their children? That's my question. So I went online. I did a little, little bit of digging, and I found hundreds of pictures of slave women with bouncing baby, babies on their knees, or in their arms, or on their side, that the, were the children of, of, the, of their slave owners. They were just holding them like they were the mothers. So I'm like, where are the mothers? <laughs> it's like you, never, you only see the, 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 these, these plantation owners in those days. All you see them is for the, you know, them and their beautiful dresses and everything. But you never see them with their children. But you do see this, the, the women, the slave women with their children. It's really odd. So that kind of sparked um an idea and and so magnolia blossom was born so that's how that came to be well i tell you what that that was an an admirable and a very um challenging book to write especially not not because from the history standpoint but because sadly the environment we are now in we find ourselves in this in this environment, and for you to take that on and to show that there was compassion, and not every mm-hmm. slave owner was cruel and hateful and correct. And in fact, if if mm-hmm. you go back into history, what they don't tell you is less than one percent. Uh, well, actually, even less than that. Of of people even owned a slave because most Southerners were dirt poor, they just scratched Correct. out a living on what little piece of land they could and and hoped for the best. 
That's right. So I I am very proud of you for that book. I think that book Thank needed you. to come out, and and for you to have the courage to do it, you are absolutely amazing. I'll tell you, I was very hesitant when I finished writing it, and it was in the process of being, you know, um, edited. Um, I was it was all that BLM going on and last year and I was like should I publish it or not and then I I just said to myself you know I really I really had to collect myself collect my thoughts and and just get some courage out and just I just did it I'm like I'm doing it so um, because the story is very controversial too the story the love story is very controversial yes it is because there was a time that a a good southern girl didn't be bearing no damn yankee she would be disowned. Oh, that is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Seriously, yeah. Absolutely. Even, 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 even up until I was grown, you didn't bring somebody from the north into the house and say, Mama, we're going to get married, because Daddy would show him the door with the shotgun. Oh, yeah. Well, that's uh, no one's counting or anything, but that's the third Yankee slam for tonight. So. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> Great time to talk about uh, our fellow Michigander tomorrow, huh? No. (laughs) (laughs) And on the flip side of that coin, because I am from the South, I've been called backwards, illiterate, stupid, a few other choice words. So, you know, that that river runs both ways. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I think that that shows... um, how much progress we made as a nation, too. I mean, I think we are a little bit more banded together as well, not just from the Civil War, but in today's society. We we have bigger fish to fry than worried about who's from the North and who's from the South. So. That is true. True. That is very true. I agree. Now, now ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm going to swing back around to the Melbourne Connection because Joanne and I were talking about this cover that's mm-hmm. on this book. And remember, I said you're going to need more than a fan. You're going to need an air conditioner and an iceberg to sit on because the cover, <laughs> the cover of this book should be illegal. It should be criminal because. Are you suggesting guy, this is going to be a banned book in the future, Yvonne? <laughs> well, maybe the cover. <laughs> Joanne, tell the folks about the cover of this book and and the the person that, well, let's just say he has very piercing eyes. He does. So his name is John Antorino, and he is an actor uh, model, um, and he he's, he's a Jersey boy, nice Italian Jersey boy, and um, he's um, very well built. And he's a very, but he's a very, he's not full of himself. He's a very sweet man. He's got a really big heart. Um, and he's very generous. And he has a soft spot for children who are sick with uh, cancer. He goes and visits these children in all the hospitals that he possibly can. He's very, very active in that way. And um, I really commend him for it. How did you come about getting him on the cover of that book because it's the perfect cover for that book oh of course it is um well he's um he like i said he's a model so he's been he's been on several covers of other of other authors that i know uh one by the name of pam ackerson who's also lives in she lives in mim so she's very so we've i i met him a few years ago at um Book Babes. It's one of those events. I don't know if you do you know about Book Babes. I do. I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I went to that a few years ago, and he was there. um, And you know, we just got to talking, and you know, he was you know flirting around with all the women and all the 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 readers and the authors and everything. So you know, we just got to talking, and uh, he said, "Hey, goes, I want to appear on one of your books, you know, because I'm Italian and." And, and all this, so and I'm like, okay. I said, we'll see. You know, maybe I said I got to find the right the right book for you. And so he is basically uh, he plays my main character, which is Jack, Jack uh, Reynolds, but his real name is Giacomo Rinaldi. So, um, and so that's uh, that's kind of how it came to be. And I said, hey, I'm writing this book. I want you're going to be a bad guy. You're going to be, you know, 
I said, you, do you want to play? You, you sure you want to be on the cover? And he says, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He goes, I haven't done the bad guy yet. Haven't done a murderer yet. So I'm like, okay, here, here's your chance. So he sent me the picture, uh, and my cover lady did the rest. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, he, the way that, that he comes across on the cover of this book, he is believable as her bad guy. Mm-hmm. He has the charismatic look, but he also has the sinister, dark attitude that comes through. He took the acting part of the cover of your book to an entirely different level. He, he is very believable. Yes, he is. And, and if, when you, if you ever read the book, if your readers, the listeners ever read the book, um, you will, you'll definitely see that the cover matches his personality to a T, Jack's personality. It's perfect. So, so see if that book ever goes into production, they ought to get him to play the main character. Oh, definitely he can play Jack, yes, definitely. And he that would do nice. it very, very well. Oh, he would. Because he's a, he's a very good actor too, so he's just not one of those you know big guys yet. But yeah, he's getting there. He'll get if he gets on enough steamy book covers, he'll get there. Of course, yeah. But well, he does a lot of <laughs> movies too. He's um, I think his latest movie was um, he played a zombie in it. Um, it was featured on um, I think it was on Netflix. I don't remember the name. I'm not into zombie movies, and I'm really sorry, John. I'm apologizing profusely, um, but he, he was one of the main uh, zombie, like the head zombie in the in the movie or something like that. So apparently he did a great job. All right, then. Now, mm-hmm. Ian, I know you're sitting there with questions or comments, so jump right in. Oh, you you actually don't even know what I'm doing right now. So y'all keep talking about this guy. And I don't even swing for that team. And I'm gonna go look at the cover. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be the judge of this. I'm gonna see if I need to be jealous or if y'all are <laughs> y'all are gassing this guy up too much. So that's literally like why I've been quiet because I'm getting on my computer right now because I'm like, all right, the way they're talking about this guy, like I, I need to. I, I need well, to if you want to make sure you get a spelling of his name right because it's A N T O R I N O. Oh, by the way, while you're trying to Google him, get this right. You can't know he's promoting or not. (laughs) Yvonne, I think we found another guest for the show, right? Oh, absolutely. I would have him on the show in a New York minute. I think he would be very pleased, yes. Send me his information, information, Joanne, and I'll reach out to him. I'm not afraid. I will. So let's let's talk a minute about while uh, Ian's going and looking up his competition. Let's talk a minute. About, <laughs> let's, let's talk a minute about the next event that you and I are going to attend in about three weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yep. about three weeks. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, before do, before we do that, let's talk about your the other thing you do in that you're the president of the Space Coast Writers Guild. Tell the folks what that is about, why you're the president, and how important it is, especially in Florida. Well, um, the Space Coast Writers Guild is an organization that's been around since 1986, and basically it is a group of, of writers, poets, um, who we meet every third Saturday of every month, and we have speakers who discuss everything and anything about the writing industry, um, publishing, uh, publishing, uh, self-publishing, or traditional publishing. Um, you know, like I just did last Saturday, we had our meeting, um, and I was the speaker, uh, along with being the host. <laughs> And I talked about how to create your own memes, your social media memes, without spending a dime, without having to go to all those websites where you have to pay um, a lot of money to where they create your memes for you. So I showed them, you know, how it's done without spending a dime. Uh, just everything and anything to do with, um, with, um, with writing. And I was, um, when I was first published, uh, I started somebody um, who actually goes to my church said to me, why don't you come to the, to the guild meeting and, you know, they'll help you out, you know, with, they'll give you ideas. We have speakers, et cetera, et cetera. And I did, and I just 
fell in love with that group. And um, and then a couple of years later, the president approached me and she said, "Hey, you know, do you want to be? Uh, do you want to run for president?" And it's just it's an elected position. I mean, it doesn't pay anything. <laughs> so, um, but it's just it's so much fun. And I am a person. I'm not afraid. I'm not not shy. And um, and I've actually perfected, not perfected, but I've uh, bettered my uh, my my public speaking skills with uh, with the guild. So um, and, and it's, you know, basically it, Central Florida. So and and being able to to speak publicly in front of a crowd of people, getting that skill set down pat is worth its weight in gold, especially if one's is. not used to it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been doing public speaking for years and years and years and years, and I can remember there was a time when I was much, much younger, like 16, 17. You put a microphone in my face, and I'm going to run hide. But because <laughs> I've had to do it over the years and be in front of people, you learn to get comfortable with people. Yes. And you learn how to speak so that you you bring the audience up to you. You don't go down to the audience. The audience is on the edge of their seat waiting to see what you're going to say next. Mm-hmm. That is true. It's a wonderful feeling. And, and uh, do you get exhausted doing it when, when you're done? Are you just totally exhausted? Mm, actually, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. It's only... It's only for a couple of, couple of hours, you know, every, you know, once a month. It's not really that it takes up a lot of my time, but no, I have a great time. I love it. It actually gives me energy. So then she's ready to go home and write another book, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do get inspired <laughs> and I, I, ideas pop into my head. You, you wouldn't believe it, but yeah, yeah exactly but right. <laughs> as you're looking out over the audience, did you, Ian, did you find the photo? I'm not going to comment. I'm 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 <laughs> a little bit frustrated, and now I'm going to print his photo out and put it on the wall and hit the because now I'm just. You going to throw darts at it, Ian? <sighs> if only looks could kill. <laughs> Man, Ron, new new rule: more attractive men cannot be brought up on this show because then it just ruins. <laughs> It just ruins my mood for the rest of the night, and oh. no, I'm kidding. Yeah, oh. <laughs> all the listeners feel so bad for me now. They're like, stop it, dude. You're okay. Like, don't be jealous. <laughs> just, It's just a book cover, Ian. Gosh. Yes, it's just a book cover. <laughs> that is correct, Ian. Speaking speaking of just a book cover. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you – Yvonne, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> you and them icebergs over there tonight. Goodness. I promise none of us have been drinking tonight. Good Lord. Um, we don't have to drink. No. We don't. We're crazy enough without it. Um, so what recharges your batteries? Because you were saying while I was uh, looking at my future competition uh, that you were, <laughs> you're really not that tired and all that. Like what – how do you manage that work-life play balance? Because you said you work full-time too. So what – what keeps you motivated, recharging your batteries, hitting on all cylinders? What, what is it that you do? Well, um, what I really love to do, and uh, thank God that I live in Florida for that, is go to the beach. When I go to the beach, it just gives me so much energy. It inspires me to write even more. Um, it's just the calm and the waves and the sunshine, the warm sunshine. It's, it's like you can go any time of the year you know, in Florida, and just go and enjoy. You don't have to go swimming. You just go and we just walk on the beach, you know, up and down and, and meeting new people. And, and sometimes I see couples on the beach, and, and I'm like, hmm, I wonder what their story's like, you know. Or I, I see children, and, or I see, you know, grandparents with their grandchildren, things like that. And that's how I get inspired. That's what gives me energy, just a really good, you know, wonderful life and, you know, with living with nature and it's just, I just love it. I just love Florida and I just, I'm so blessed to be here. And they don't call it paradise for nothing. That's right. (laughs) 
because, ladies and gentlemen, it can get it can get cold here, but it doesn't last until the day after. Never, it only lasts a day or two, and then it's back to sunshine and heat waves and yeah, all the stuff. Yeah, even the storms. You know, what do they last? Fifteen minutes, and then and then well, they're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one roll, one rolled through here today. One run, one roll through here in the middle of the night. But it's it's that time of year where every every minute of every day, weather wise, it's a surprise. It's true. That is so true. <laughs> we never know. <laughs> That's true. Definitely. See, there's you another storyline. Uh huh. Mm hmm. So let's 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 walk back a little bit to the next to the event that you and I both are not only going to be attending, but we also are going to be speakers at this event. It's called Authors to Authors. It is in where Rialto is it? in I, Melbourne. Thank you. It's at the Rialto, in, and I've been there a hundred times. It's at the Holiday Inn Rialto in Melbourne, and it's mm-hmm. August the eighth from nine mm-hmm. to five. I am going to be talking about believing, and and people say, what are you talking about, believing as a writer? Well, that is a very important part of the equation in any art form that you participate in. There's several things one has to believe in, and you, Joanne, are going to be talking about what? I'm going to be talking about um, selecting a genre to write. To write in, basically, you know, how to pick what kind of genre attracts you and will attract your readers as well. And this is from the woman that has learned how to write in multiple genres. Mm-hmm. Because she used to just do romance, and now next time I talk to her, maybe she'll be doing horror. Who knows? No, 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 not horror, no. I'll probably be doing another either historical fiction or and maybe a CB romance is due, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies, get your fans and your and your and your cold drinks out because her her in fact let's 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 revisit um the Spanish doll because that was the last one you had written when you and I talked before. And mm-hmm. that has a very interesting story behind it, and it, it begs to come back to the forefront again to remind people that sometimes it's the simple things that we take and make a storyline out of. Right. Okay. So um, I do actually own a beautiful Spanish doll. She's about, about a couple of feet high, and she's about almost three feet wide. She's beautiful, gorgeous dress. She's on a pedestal, beautiful doll. And it was given to me as a young girl just before I got married. Um, This very handsome, middle-aged Spanish businessman came into town. I was living in Italy at the time. And um, he, you know, I guess he had a crush on me, but I didn't realize it at that time. And he he said, what do you, you know, what do you like to collect? And so I like to collect dolls and so he said, okay, next time I come to Italy, I'm going to bring you a Spanish doll. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So he comes two weeks later, and he shows up with this huge doll. And I'm like, what, what am I going to tell my, my fiancé? You know, he's like, you give me this doll, you know. It's like, so anyway, um, and then after, you know, I, it was, I was just working a summer job, so I never saw him again. But uh, but I did I still have the, the doll and she's gorgeous. So after a few years, you know, moving from from Italy to Canada and then from Canada to Florida, uh, the doll kind of got closed into a closet. So one one trip to Canada, my son told me he said, um, "Mom, you need to take this doll with you." I'm like, "Okay, fine." So I packed her up and and I brought her down to Florida and. Um, and I, um, so she was kind of dusty and everything like that. So I put her in the, in the, in the tub and I was just, you know, just rinsing off the, the dust of just washing her really just very slowly, very calmly. And this story started to, to, um, gurgle in my head, in my brain. And, uh, so the, so I started to write an outline and the Spanish, her Spanish doll was born. See, ladies and gentlemen, and it, as writers, we have no idea. The, the, the stories just come in the most unlikely places at the most unlikely times. Very true. 
you never know when it's going to hit you either. You could be driving down the road and just see something different, and it's like, huh, and there you go. Mm-hmm. And, a, and, a, and a book is born. And the cover and of that – and and the cover of that book is absolutely gorgeous too. Yes. Because what you the cover of that book, ladies and gentlemen, is you see two Spanish dancers, if I'm not mistaken. Let me pull it back up. And where'd she go? No. I'm not gonna look it up either. I'm 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 done looking at Joanne's books for the night. <laughs> it you see you see a man and a woman and the woman is dressed in red. And she has a blindfold on, and the man has a red bow tie, which complements her dress. And the, you see the Spanish doll sitting on the dresser behind the couple. That was such a subtle, in-your-face position for that doll. That's the first thing that I saw. I didn't even see the man and the woman. I just saw the doll. The doll, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and Ian, why don't you want to look up anymore? <laughs> because I'm calling dibs on Joanne's next cover as the uh, actor, and that's that's my goal. It's just going to happen. I see. I mm-hmm. see. Okay, gotcha. Because now, let's Well, my next, my next book is going to be called Christmas in Rome, so uh, what I'm trying to do now is every year I'm trying to write a novella, Christmas novella, which is located in the major cities in Italy. I started off with Christmas in Venice, and second one last year was Christmas in Florence. And this year, I'm writing Christmas in Rome. So, Ian, if you're interested, take some nice pictures. You know, look up, you know, style, <laughs> start, make style start working now. And we'll get you on the cover. <laughs> How about I just take Christmas in Germany? Is that okay? When you write Christmas in Germany, <laughs> then, Germany, then no. I can... What? Oh, I think, I think you should oh, maybe be one on... Day. Well, one day, maybe I'll do Christmas in, you know, Frankfurt or Christmas in München or whatever. Ian, I think, exactly. you, should, I think you should do what she said. What's that? Now, now, remember, you open this can of worms. Here is your opportunity. No. I double dog dare you to take it. <laughs> I am Yvonne, I haven't had I've had a four pack and that was in high school. Let's let's be <laughs> let's be very frank about this, okay? Um those days are behind me. <laughs> and if you put on a nice black Armani suit, well, okay. Trust right. me, you'll be number one. You'll be fine. Well, thank you. I I, I appreciate that. I I mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay quiet for the next six minutes and just ride this wave out, and uh, no, we'll be all right. Waiting. It'll be a good it, night. It's, 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 that ship sailed, honey. Yep. <laughs> Those ships ship and a lot of other ships. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think we Especially should Especially when you do double it. dog there. Absolutely. <laughs> that's that's not long? fair. You know, you know I'm one for challenges. Well, how long you known me? He's going to say too, too long, long obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and and see, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we call this show Off the Chain, because we have absolutely no idea what's going to be said. And when, when somebody throws a gauntlet down, you know, you just got to pick it up and go with it. So Mr. Smarty threw down the gauntlet, and now he's got to live up to the to the challenge. All right. Well, we'll we'll post photos on your uh, on on your page on your Blog Talk Radio show, and we'll we'll, we'll run a contest, we'll, we'll make this a transformational that. journey thanks to Joanne and my <laughs> big mouth <laughs> per usual. <laughs> Love it. This is great. <laughs> See, that's what happens. There you go. Y'all are not. Y'all are not going to believe this, but we're five minutes out from the end of this show. Wow. Seriously? Seriously, we're five minutes out. <laughs> That's wonderful. So so with that being said, Joanne, what would mm-hmm. you tell someone who has a dream? And and I know like like myself, you've probably heard it as well. I want to do this, but, or I want to do this, but I can't be, because what would you tell somebody? 
There's nothing you can't do. That's exactly. it. Exactly. Nothing you can't do. In, we sometimes are all, our, our own worst enemy. We, we make correct. up all these excuses like Ian just did for the things that we can't do <laughs> or, or don't want to do or all of a sudden it becomes too much of a challenge instead of just understanding we only have one trip around the sun and if we don't grab what's in front of us today, tomorrow, it won't be there. Ian, what are your words of wisdom besides you're going to keep your mouth shut from now on? <laughs> uh, number one, I'm going to keep my mouth shut from now on. Um, number two. <laughs> not going to happen. I'm still trying to, still try. yeah, well, one can hope. Don't 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 make excuses now, Yvonne. All right. <laughs> Before we talk about state, this. I just state the facts. <laughs> yeah, oh I know. Um look for look for the things that make fiction become reality. Good point. Because mm-hmm. I've kind of been thinking about that a lot lately where um, you know, going with your thread, excuses and, and, and past trauma and, you know, stuff like that, that holds people back saying, oh, I can't get to that point. Oh, I can't, I can't, um, you know, I guess since we've been talking about romance all night, you know, I, I'm never going to love again. I've, I've been burned. I've been hurt. I've been trashed, but you know, you can, um, you can find things in life that kind of make you the person that you used to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes uh, you know you think it's going to be fiction. You think it's just some wild fantasy, and then something comes along and kind of shows you that fantasy isn't all that strange after all. It's right in front of you. And, well, you know they so, say that that fiction that that fact is stranger than fiction. So anything can happen on any given day. True. Yeah. And I guess to end on a high note, I'm going to bring the dad bod back on uh, Joanne's cover. So there's that. <laughs> oh, very. We're going we're gonna to make the dad bod look good again. See? Anything can happen on any given day. So, ladies, <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, tomorrow night we will have, speaking of, horror author Chad Lint. I can't even pronounce his last name. Chad Lentz with us. Lutzky. And Lutzky, thank you. And he no has been on this show before. He is an absolutely amazing author. If you have not read his book, Deb Flies in Foster Homes, read that before the show. He's written many, many more since then. Again, that's another one that got by me, and he's written all these wonderful books and short stories that bear talking about. He and I have been friends almost as long as I've been friends with Ian and Ian is friends with him so it should it should be a really great show tomorrow night I want to thank you Joanne for spending an hour of your time with me that you will never get back but it will be memorable from now on <laughs> and ask you it was my you pleasure like... and uh, I'll spend an hour of my time anytime you want thank you my darling because I was going to ask you if you would like to come back and we can continue this insanity Absolutely. Just say when. You got it. And, Ian, I will see you tomorrow night, I'm sure, right? Always. Same time, (laughs) same place. Same bat station, same form of insanity. Because this is just how we roll here on Off the Chain. Again, you never know what you're going to hear. That's why people are afraid to tune in, but they're afraid not to tune in because They don't want to have somebody say to them, did you listen to Off the Chain the other night? They talked about this, and then the person that missed it is going to go, no, I didn't. I hate that, but that moment passed. So with all of that being said, I want to thank my guest, Joanne Fisher. Check out her books on joannesbooks.com. Go and get her books on Amazon. She's on all the media out there, Amazon and I'm sure Hobo and Goodreads. You name it, she's out there. Pull her up. It's J-O-A-N-N-E-F-I-S-H-E-R. Type in author Joanne Fisher. And with that, I'm going to tell my guest Joanne good night and my co-host Ian 
Bush, good night, and we will return here tomorrow night with our other guest at 6 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. Good night, all. <laughs>